Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're going to love her latest selection. (laughs) And inevitably, you just can't stand that book that they suggested. That's us. (laughs) We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, invite magic and mystery into our lives, because science fiction and fantasy rule. (laughs) I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep your elves in space operas. I'll I'll convert you someday. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books. Each month, we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would never have picked up on her own. So even if a book that isn't entirely your style is something you have to read, there may be some redeeming qualities to it, right? I guess we'll see. We will see. We will see. Um... This month was my selection, and it was The Second Mrs. Hockaday by Susan Rivers. And um, I know that historical fiction is not normally your gig. It's okay. Okay. It's not like— So maybe I don't know that. Maybe I just think that. What's uh, I'm not going to get this word. Anathema? 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 Is that how you say that? I think so. It's how I say it. You know how you read a book, and you see the words in your head, but you never use it, and so you make up a pronunciation for Mm -hmm. it? That's why I listen, because otherwise I wouldn't have any idea what was going on. Anathema? Anathema. So I will say to you, I have learned how to pronounce a word already, so this is an excellent podcast. And <laughs> Glad to help. Historical fiction isn't that one I already forgot, so right. we're going to have to practice afterwards. Okay. Um, it's just not, like, super jazzy. It's, it's there. Well, it's a genre. <laughs> I'm glad for it. Well, I did tell one of our colleagues that I had... Um, selected this book, and I had also suggested that he read the book. And his response to me saying, oh, this is what I selected for the podcast was, huh, there was exactly nothing redeeming about that book. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, dear, li- dear listeners. I chose it anyway. I hear what I hear what we're all hearing right now, which is that she regrets making me read this book. No, no, oh, no, no. No? No. I might. Oh, I was trying to convince you. I don't think that was successful. Okay, fine. Um, But I do think before we get into any regrets, we are going to (laughs) warn you that we're going to discuss the whole book. And this book, actually, much of the book is built around trying to piece together what the story is. So if you have any intention of reading this book, I would strongly suggest that you stop listening now and rejoin us after you've read or listened to the book because we will ruin it for you. Yes, I totally agree. I... um, I, I don't even think you could get past the first couple of maybe third of the book right. talking about it before you start to piece together some of the the core components of the book. And it's not an awful book. <laughs> wow, they're type praise. Well, I mean, the other person told you there were no redeeming qualities. That's so inaccurate. really, yes. I've got to step up on this one. I would say a, a giant step up. Yes. I'm like a moonwalker. <laughs> and uh, if you do want to read it, it, it's not a long read. The book no. itself is maybe... 250. Mm-hmm. I, I read it last night. Mm-hmm. I'm a fast reader, but it took me maybe three hours. Right. So you can just pause real quick and, and then come, come back. back to us. Come back. I want to talk a little bit more about historical fiction before you tell them about the book and the author and things sure, like go. that. Do you have – so historical fiction is huge because – There's a lot of history. There's a lot of history. And different people have different histories and different interpretations of it. So mm-hmm. in, you know, like American literature, historical fiction tends to be uh, like – 
Westerns, which are their own thing if they're set in the past. Right. Um, Civil War fiction, <coughs> things that are set in England. Um, but do you have a favorite? or Do you like Civil War books? Is that why you picked this one? Oh, good question. Um, I like... I like the aspect of learning about history through a compelling medium, which is, okay. I guess, it's a little less dry than reading. You know, some, some well-written nonfiction history is fabulous. It's true. Um, but I think it's a little easier to swallow. And so I think I like the idea of seeing history through someone else's eyes. Okay. That's an excellent suggestion to do that because there's some pieces in this book you know and the listeners know I I take lots of notes as I Mm -hmm. go along and I had lots of notes throughout this one about specific story points I wanted to talk about but what I didn't note and I vaguely recall now are really specific details that kind of help build that world that storytelling so like there's a piece in here where uh, the two ladies who are writing back and forth are talking about fabric mm-hmm. and a dress, like somebody mm-hmm. needs a dress. So they're explaining the type of fabric and what it looks like and what it used to look like and how they made it. And it wasn't, uh, that sounds really boring the way I'm saying it, but the way that they wrote it was is actually kind of interesting. It yeah. gives you a little glimpse into um, how much they used stuff until it was just done. It was rags yeah. at that point. So. That's an excellent point. And, and one of the other, um, another uh, manifestation of that was um, Placidia, who is our main... Um, awesome name, by the way. <laughs> awesome name. Love it. She's our heroine. Mm-hmm. And she... Um, paper is in such short supply yep. that she takes um, her husband's cop... Uh, or d- her dad's. Her dad's copy of David Copperfield. David Copperfield. Yeah. And writes on the backside of the um, illustration plates mm-hmm. um, and, and turns it into a diary. So that just gave me an appreciation of the scarcity of materials at that time mm-hmm. and... How you know we take that for granted? We got reams and reams of paper all around us, and I can't imagine a shortage of paper. And yet she was writing in the tiniest hand to get down all of these notes of what was happening in her life, and that spoke to me. I didn't mean to derail you there. I think I did. Nope. Nope. Not at all. I just wanted to comment on historical fiction. It's not all equal. Correct. This one is a Civil War historical fiction Mm -hmm. slash mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's written. in uh, letter format, so you learn about the characters from letters they're writing to e- to and from each other, mm. um, and uh, court investigation. Inquests. 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 Thank you for the proper term. You're welcome. I had the pronunciation on that one. Yeah, <laughs> you did. That was excellent. <laughs> um, and so it's in uh, first person, um, and you really get to know the characters very intimately, and they're very honest with each other. Mm. Um, that was one of the... I thought well done writing aspects is there. It's all family um, writing to each other, um, cousins and um, brothers, or first person accounts or a diary. Right. Yeah. And they're very intimate. And um, one of the one of the letters back and forth from or sets of letters back and forth from the brothers. Um, one of the brothers says to the other, "I can honestly say that while I'm." kind of horrified at what's happened. I can't fault you for doing what you did. And so that was very intimate to me. Like it's a very sweet and compassionate um, admission Mm -hmm. where this guy who doesn't really know what his brother's going through, he can kind of guess and he's having his own reaction to it and yet he's still compassionate to his brother. So I like that aspect a lot. Her writing was really very good. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was doing my research 
Um, I found that she had been a playwright Mm -hmm. before she turned her hand towards novel writing. Mm -hmm. And I loved that she was the recipient of a National Endowment of the Arts grant, and Mm -hmm. she was a writer-in-residence in in San Francisco. Yep. So she's had some time to, um, what do they call it? Hone hone her craft. craft. Yes. That is what not only they call it, but we call it. It is what everyone calls it. (laughs) Honing your craft. So her her turns of phrase were uh, very eloquent in places. I, I wrote down a few of them. Some of them were kind of funny. Like there's there's one entry where Placidia or Dia was writing to her cousin Millie, Mildred. And um, Mildred was writing back and she said, you rush into close associations with your heart galloping forward while your head lags behind, blinded by dust and distance. <laughs> and the alliteration there and that such a strong visual that gives mm-hmm. you, you know exactly what they're talking about. It doesn't yeah. matter where in time you are. You get it. Yeah. 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 Did we tell them yet what the story's actually about? No. Ah. So um, Placidia is a young woman. She's only, I think, 17 when the book opens. And mm-hmm. she's led a pretty um, sweet life, pretty sheltered. Her mom died when she was young. She has grown up with her aunt and on her father's land. And she's kind of a daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she does not dig her uh, stepmother Step and stepbrothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And... Um, very early in the book, she marries uh, Griff Hockaday. Yes. yes. Is he major? Major, major Hockaday. Hockaday. I couldn't remember if he was a general or a major. Major. And He's generally major. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they get married after knowing each other for like two and a half hours, like a yeah. long time. Yep. And then he. It was wartime. It right. was, the, the book um, starts in 1863. Yeah. Yeah. So he whisks her off to his farm and. Um, that kind of starts the whole story. And then he's called back to war like two days later. And he leaves her on the farm with their um, house and field slaves mm-hmm. and his infant son from his prior wife. Right. And that's why he was desperate to get married because he knew that he had to go back to war yeah. and he had the son who needed care. Yes. Um, and so she grows up a lot very quickly. Oh, yes. And um, she's left alone. Well, alone in the sense that there are other people around her. But she's the one that has to make all these household decisions after having never run a household. Yeah. She doesn't have any idea what she's doing. Um, she's led a very sheltered life. And um, over the course of the novel, you find out that something very tragic has happened to her. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so bad that this is not the worst part, that she, she is robbed oh, yeah. by a, a bunch of bandits who are posing. They called him bummers. 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 And they're posing as... Um, oh, they were posing as... Cavalrymen. Yes. And they tried to take food and all of the silver, any money she had... Her gun. Her gun. They had yeah. um, hid... She was very smart and had hidden um, a bunch of coins in... A jar that was in then sunk into a vat of lard that they were carrying, Ugh. and so um, anyway, she was almost raped by this gang. Yep. And luckily, her field hands came in all at the same time and saved her from that. And then she goes to her in-laws. Her well, let's not let's not give it all away. Okay. We got to tell a little bit. But the the story, the composition of the story, I thought was one of the most interesting parts of it because the story itself was a quick read mm-hmm. and the mystery is uh, fascinating and sad the further sure. you get but the way that the, the the whole book is set up is it's these letters back and forth and then later it's diary entries 
but its letters told two years after um, Placidia marries uh, Major, Hockaday. Major, Major Hockaday when she's been jailed Yes, for the presumed killing of her infant child that she had with someone else. Because he was away for two years. Because he was away for two years. And she had the baby in that time period. Yeah. And so the back and forth between the letters from Dia and her cousin, who's trying to get her to tell what happened. Right. And Dia has decided that she's not going to say anything. She's going she's gonna to hold her silence. And you find out later in the book uh, why she's made that choice to do so. And then later on, you see the inquest documents where they're interviewing the major and a cousin of the family and Dia herself. And then the second half of the book is told like 30 years later mm-hmm. from future children mm-hmm. that the major and Dia have. So you know that she's not hung for her crimes, right. but you don't know what's happened yet. So right. the way that the author twisted the plot line so that you you might have thought you knew what was going to happen, but you didn't know what was going to happen with the future characters, even right. if you thought well, you knew what was going to happen with Dia and Griffin. I thought that was really uh a nice way to form the story. Yeah. I yeah. think I thought it was well executed and creative. Um, I wasn't I thought it jumped around maybe a little too much like mm. I would have liked a little more continuity or okay. but maybe that was just my impatience. I don't know. I I read it quickly. Mhm. And the first couple of chapters, you flipped back and forth a lot, or I did. Yes. Because you're like, where am I? Yeah. Who's talking? Right. Who are these people? What, what timeline is happening? Right. So that was a little hard to, to get in there. But I didn't actually mind the the storylines. I felt that they co-mingled more than they competed with each other. Mm-hmm. They, they built up. Um, yeah. There was, there was a lot of good in this book. There was a lot that I appreciated. This is not my, my normal style, mm-hmm. but it was well-written great language, interesting but sad plotline the further you get in that right. I did not guess the what was going to happen. Right. Uh, the part that I thought brought the most value was the different perspectives of war and mm-hmm. what it does to people because having all of those competing viewpoints meant that you got to hear about what war looked like from Griff because mm-hmm. he was writing letters back to his bride about not having any food and having to eat the horse's corn in order to survive and people who had been shot off at the knees and then survived and then got shot somewhere else and these horrifying tales from the front lines that that's what you usually think of when you think about the horrors of war but then dia's stories about you know she's 17 right she is managing a 300 acre farm with servants that are slaves that are running away because they can and right. they should. And um, a baby that's not hers. A baby that's not <laughs> hers and having been with her husband for one night and two days right. before he got called back and not seeing him for four years. Yeah. That's that's a horror all into itself. I agree and I think one of the things that it really illustrates is the vulnerability of women during war. Oh yes. Um, any war. Um but I, it, it never occurred to me, you know, all the time we hear about the American Civil War and um, all the atrocities that happen that go along with war. And I don't think I had ever really stopped to think about the vulnerability of the women mm. who were left at home and the lawlessness and all of the really um, valiant men were off fighting. 
Yeah. So it left the scoundrels at home. Yep. And they, boy, they took advantage of that. Yeah. The phrase I wrote down was that they were pilfering, bumming, cheating, lying, and stealing from those who'd been left behind. Right. And it really, wars, war is horrible. Uh, you know, feel what you want about why we go into wars. But the act of war right. is horrifying on the repercussions that it has on people and on the people that it it leaves behind in a community because you don't have enough people to survive the way you had before and you have to make awful choices and there's no doctors and there's no sheriffs. And so right. lawlessness starts to reign when what you're trying to do is create a more lawful state usually. Right. Um, you know, And there was one character in there that was only briefly mentioned, but further on in the book, um, she's been at this house by herself for I don't know, a year now or something like that. And she gets invited to a party. Mm -hmm. So she pulls out her wedding dress because mm -hmm. it's the only outfit she still has that's clean, kind right. of. She puts it on and she goes to this house party. And she's looking at this kind of juxtaposed view of what her life is right now with this town life that she left behind when she lived with her father. And one of the party guests is someone's fiance. And is the person is just so vacuous mm -hmm. that... They have no idea why the war is going on or what's happening. They're just upset because they can't buy the things that they want anymore. Right. And the people that they wanted to have parties with are, are gone somewhere. Right. And, you know, you can't really tell from the brief mention she has in the book if she's intentionally vacuous. <laughs> you know, like she has just – she's gone and she's right. not paying attention. Or if she's been surrounded by people who have bubble wrapped her her whole life right. so that she has no comprehension of why you go to war. Right. Um, that's a – a whole nother aspect right. that can be just frustrating and horrifying. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the um, I want I want you to have time to tell me what you liked and did, did not like about the book. <laughs> um, but one of the most um, visual moments that I had listening to this, and the reader, by the way, does a fabulous job. She's mm. a really real. In fact, it's a man does. Uh, the male characters and mm -hmm. a, a female reader does the female characters, and they're both wonderful. Um, but at one point, um, a slave is trying to assemble a gun while um, Dia is being attacked. Mm -hmm. And so the quote is, Achilles had assembled the cult and loaded the paper cartridge with shaking hands, all the while the thuds and stifled screams of our struggle bore down on him from the roof above and made his labor seem hopelessly slow. And I could just picture myself in a stressful situation. Now, clearly never that stressful, but yeah. stressful situation where you're trying to do something that requires some coordination and he's in the dark yeah. and the woman of the manor is being attacked and he knows that and he's the only defense and he can't make his hands work fast enough. And I just like I got all tense and I it really resonated with me. I thought that was very excellent writing. I can't agree with you more on that. I think her time as a playwright really helped her choose her words clearly. Yeah. The the phrases that she used were intentional mm -hmm. and they were they were structured in such a way to have as much impact as possible. Yeah. Um she wrote one sentence in here. Oh, um <laughs> there's this little section um Dia has a stepsister, Agnes, mm -hmm. and uh one of their cousins is talking about them and it was like being snipey to other ladies. <laughs> but one of the phrases they use is that um, I have been on the receiving end of that lady's perfidious mischief. <laughs> and I know exactly where she's going with that. Was, that was perfect. And then there were these quotations and these pieces where Dia was writing in her diary after this awful thing had happened to her and 
She's sending all of her people away because she doesn't want them to be around to see what's happening. Or involved. Or involved. And her future children are reading this diary. And they're trying to decide what they should do with it. And what they said is, if you don't arm yourself with knowledge, if you don't look truth in the face, you won't understand your own life. And if miss, if in misunderstanding your own life, you miss the opportunity to give it significance. Mm-hmm. So there's little gems in there that mm-hmm. were just really nice. Mm-hmm. So you asked me if I liked it. Yes. What grade I would give? I would give it a B. Oh, that's solid. Yeah, it was it was a good read. Uh, it was very quick read, which mm-hmm. is, is nice as well because it kept moving. Like mm-hmm. I, I read it one sat sitting. For all that I liked, the themes and the character development and the language, uh, there were a bunch of storylines that did not come together for me. I agree with you. They were weirdly inserted. Like, yes. Um, Dia is jailed. Mm-hmm. And then she's sprung by this guy named Doc Gordon. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he came from. Right. Why is he important? How did he know that she deserves to have a place to live until her trial is set at? I don't know where it comes from. Um, in the second part of the book with the, the children of the two original characters, one of the sons starts a relationship with his cousin. Right. Which was okay back then. Right. And uh, he drops it super suddenly. Yep. And for what appeared to be no good reason Agreed. to me. But the biggest one for me which is what the book really hinges on, mm-hmm. is, okay, and I'm going to ruin the storyline here. So okay. please, if you want to read this book, stop listening right now. <laughs> Dia chooses to hold her science silence throughout this whole book because she's raped by a family friend, and then she gets pregnant, mm-hmm. and she's a good Christian woman, so she's not mm-hmm. going to do anything about it. She has this baby. It dies. She buries it. She moves on. Right. Her husband comes home, and he has been so traumatized by the act of war that she thinks the best thing to do is to hold her silence. Right. I do not understand that. Right. He is going to be heartbroken if he finds out that he wasn't there to save her from being raped or if he thinks she cheated on him right. because she didn't love him enough to wait for him while he was gone. Right. That that was a hard one for me to try and get through. I, I just don't understand that one. I totally agree. I struggled with that um, and I don't have a good answer for it. I The... It is a very compelling last scene when she walks out into the barn and he's sitting there and yeah. with a gun in his hand and he's trying to decide if he's going to kill himself because how could I have let this happen to you? Yeah. Um, so, yes, I agree that the whole premise of the book is built on a, really, that's the decision it's you kind, made? It's kind of shaky. And I mean, <laughs> I get it. She's she's 18 when this happens. Right. Probably not she hasn't been eating she's probably not thinking really well but it was a a little iffy premise that you don't get to till the end so you've already read it yes yeah yeah i i would agree with you and i also shared your frustration with the whole um romance between the cousins because that was just kind of a weirdly inserted it didn't really yeah it didn't move the plot forward it didn't make you learn any more about the moral and ethical kind of integrity of these people it was just kind of weird yeah um I liked that it was a book in letters, though. It's not my usual mm-hmm. cup of tea, but it was a nice way to move the plotline forward and to give her, the author, some flexibility in how she wanted to share it. Yep. She actually, um, I read a interview she did, and she said, I don't remember consciously deciding how the novel would be written. It began writing itself as it wished to be in the form of linked found pieces, the inquest records, the letters to and from the main characters, and the diary entries. Mm. So it sounded like she just kind of, that was how it sprang forth from her. And I think it's worth noting that um, this is based on a true story. Oh, yes. um, this was a, a historical um, 
document that she found and then she wrote to found the at local, the library. She did found, found at the, the library. library, and then she wrote to historic societies and courthouses to get the actual mm-hmm. um, records. And so she took a lot of liberties mm. with filling everything in, sure. but the premise, you know, came to her from history. Yeah. So overall, not a bad read. Good wow. suggestion. Wow. Outstanding. Well, before we get to your – I'm tickled um, and surprised. Um, before we get to your uh, suggestion for next month, um, we had kind of been kicking around the idea of suggesting similar books. Yes. And we hadn't really actually gone through with it. So <laughs> this time I would like to go through with it. Um, another book that I listened to recently, which was excellent. It's nonfiction, so it's different from the second Mrs. Hockaday for sure. Um, But it's set in the Civil War, and it's called Never Caught, The Washington's Relentless Pursuit of Their Runaway Slave, Ona Judge, by Erica Armstrong Dunbar. (laughs) And it is um, a a biography of uh, George and Martha Washington's slave, house Mm -hmm. slave, who was, um, by slave standards, um, had a a pretty... um, it was a physical existence for sure because washing clothes was one of the hardest things you had to oh, do. Yeah. But it was inside. So she was out of the elements. So okay. she didn't have that aspect of um, the horrors of slavery. But she, uh, even though she was treated fairly well, given the circumstances, mm. freedom was more important to her. And the Washingtons could not understand that. And it's just this mind-blowingly weird, uh, true thing about you know, one of the forefathers of our country. So anyway, I highly recommend it. It's excellent. It's um, a ton of research. I haven't verified that it was all done correctly, <laughs> but I will tell you that it was a National Book Award finalist for nonfiction, and it's uh, the winner of the Frederick Douglass Book Award. Oh, so, and again, the title is Never Caught, The Washington's Relentless Pursuit of Their Runaway Slave, Ona Judge, by Erica Armstrong Dunbar. So, yes, that sounds like a, a fascinating read, no listeners, that is not what we're reading next month. That is correct. That, that is, is not, not that is not what we're reading. reading. No. It's just a suggestion if you liked The Second Mrs. Hockaday. Yes. Because it's my turn to pick the it book. It is. And I have chosen a book that is not exactly science fiction or fantasy. Uh, my book is called The Traveling Cat Chronicles by Hiro Arakawa. It's originally published in Japanese, and the title in Japanese, which I'm going to butcher, but <laughs> forgive me, is Tabineko Ripoto. And it is this short, small joyful little novel. Um, And it's set from dueling perspectives from Satoru, who is a young man in in Japan, and a cat named Nana. And uh, Nana is a stray, and he's he's like a rough-and-tumble boy cat. And he gets hit by a car. Uh And then he gets found by Satoru, who takes him in and helps him get healed up. And they end up living together for about five years. And the bulk of the story is a series of small road trips that they take because Satoru is trying to find Nana a new home. It is, uh, I I read it in about one sitting. (laughs) I cried so much, and I'm not ashamed of it. And um, if if you love animals at all, it doesn't matter if they're cats, dogs, birds, fish, reptiles, whatever, um, it is really funny, the different perspectives, and I, I think, I hope... You will enjoy it. This isn't one where I purposely picked and went, ha ha, I'm going to make you read science fiction. <laughs> this one was one I, I read and went, oh, I have to share this more widely. Aww. Yes. This so is a, tell me one. again how it's pronounced in J- Japanese. Tabi Neko Ripoto. I, I think it's actually pronounced anathema. Oh, is that how it's pronounced? Thank That's you. how I would pronounce it. Well, I will take that under consideration. <laughs> 
Well, thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. So please join us next month when we will be discussing The Traveling Cat Chronicles by Hiroko Arakawa, A-R-I-K-A-W-A. Thank you so much and keep on reading. <laughs>